The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio. This is David's pick on America's Web Radio, as a matter of fact, and we've got a guest in-house for a change, which is always great, Mike Roman, and uh, we'll be talking to Mike in a minute, but first let's uh, take time to pause, as we always do, for a moment of silence and thinking about our veterans that have given the ultimate sacrifice and those that have made it home and those folks that are on active duty and as we always mention too our wonderful EMTs police whether they're emergency first responders uh, our EMTs and also our fire department we are a first responder nation. We'll be back right after this. Thank you, and amen. And we always, the other thing we do is that we've got to make sure everybody's blood's flowing rapidly. And, uh, Mike, do you remember what we used to do when we uh, ran and uh, did the, you know, the half mile and you were about uh, halfway through it? And what did the what did the uh, platoon start, sergeant start up? Uh, some kind of singing. Some and kind of Jody. Yes, sir. And we had to tell our story that way. That's and, it. And it uh, changed our focus from the pain we were feeling to the fun we can have. That's it. Very good. Yes, I like that. And so, let's... Uh, hey, I feel all right now. Hey, I feel all right now. Do you feel like I do right now? Do you feel like I do right now? Okay, you can do it, I can do it. And uh, we're going to do it right now and, and talk about something that's near and dear to my heart. And um, that is everybody, or I say everybody, many folks and certainly our veterans concern, are concerned about what's going on today. And, you know, I... Uh, Personally, uh, Mike, when were you in? I, I can't remember offhand. Uh, I was in from, um, um, give me a second here, March of uh, 69 to uh, November 1970. Uh, 68, excuse me, March of 68. And uh, we, we overlapped a little bit, and you were? In the Army. In the Army. Yeah, and what was, was your MOS? 31S30. I was a crypto maintenance man. Excuse me, field crypto maintenance man. Ah, well, and, you know the little portable radios they held on your ba on their backs. Oh yeah, and, uh, that, there was an enciphering device for that. 
Um, there were trailers out in the fields, and uh, they had uh, teletypes and our crypto gear. You know, uh, I was at the other end of the stick, uh, literally 11 Bravo. Oh, my and, goodness. Yeah, light arms infantry. But, you know, it... Uh, uh, well, I've got a lot of respect for you, sir. Thank you. Well, you know, I... Uh, I did my six years but i did it in the reserves and uh so i was i never uh went inland or anything like that and i don't ever make any uh bones about the fact that uh you know i wasn't in country and as i think i mentioned in the car when we were together they uh, they call us now vietnam era veterans and I don't know why on my 201 file they have it spelled E-R-R-O-R <laughs> instead of E-R-A. So, uh, you know, but I did my time and I love my country and um, I love our flag. And I have a hard time believing that kids and and. By the way, I, I, you were in the same place that I was, sort of, in that and, uh, I was in the cusp of uh, they had just stopped the draft and started the lottery, and uh, I was number 12 in the lottery, so my, my destiny was known, no and uh, then they went to the uh, volunteer, which uh, the volunteer in my opinion, has been one of the best things we've ever done. And uh, I've got a, a friend, well, my roommate's son was a volunteer and went in, and my uh, roommate is the one that we do the the moment of silence for, J. Roy Ritchie, and he died of uh, Agent Orange, or the effects of Agent Orange after he got out of Nam, But his son stepped in behind him and went in and you know I it's a shame that a lot of the parents today don't realize how important if they didn't serve they don't realize how important it is to let their sons or daughters serve and uh, how important the flag is and I think part of that comes, David, from, uh, yes, it's good to have a volunteer army. Uh, and, excuse me, I, I'm prejudiced because I was in the army, but a, a volunteer um, military service. Um, but I think it ought to be a requirement. That everybody uh, serve? In some capacity, yes, sir. It doesn't have to be a military capacity. It could be working for the tax department at your, at your local uh, city government uh, or county government, whatever. Uh, it could be um, working um, in Africa, helping the tribes learn to be a little more uh, current with their health issues, with water issues. Uh, there's all kinds of service that we have available, and I, I think it should be a requirement for both males and females to serve, because the, there's no way to learn what is being forgotten today in America, in my opinion. 
and that's there is something greater than self. You know, you you see these kids living in their moms and dads' basements, and what do they do? Well, they they have a part-time job, you know, slinging hamburgers or something, and maybe, maybe, and they spend the rest of their time playing video games. And they're, you know, oh, I mean, I killed like fifteen people today. Really? Was somebody shooting at you? Uh, was somebody throwing rocks at you? Somebody throwing Molotov cocktails at you? I bet not. You know, it doesn't mean damn thing that uh, you've killed sixteen people today in your video game. Yeah. You know, I would, and I and I agree that. Everybody should. This is a wonderful country, and they should give back something. With that being said, I guess I'm prejudiced towards the military, and the reason for that is, you know, I, I uh, kid people that I have uh, flashbacks every now and then, and. Not bad ones, but, uh, you know, I may be driving along or or just sitting in my living room or something, and something will float through my head that says, I know why they did that. When you were going through BASIC and AIT, how many times, why in the world are we doing this? This is the stupidest thing I think I've ever done. Why are we doing it? And here it is 50 years later for me, and I'm saying, oh, that's the reason, and uh, you yes, know sir. the discipline and the and the military. I think is one of the best things that can happen to a kid. I I, I agree a hundred percent. Let me I quick little story here. When I joined the army, uh, I, I uh, kicked away uh, three semesters at Indiana University. I had more master points than grade points because I was jumping on the South Shore with two other guys don't, going down to the Drake Hotel in Chicago, playing bridge with Gorn and uh, Omar Sharif and a bunch of those kind of guys. Wow. So the college education really didn't do anything for me. I was I was playing some professional hockey, but that wasn't when I when I when we moved back to uh, South Bend. I wasn't, and you know I was a short little fat kid. I think I was five foot seven and a half when I joined the army, and when I got out of the army, I was five foot nine and a half. <laughs> and there's that parallel ladder. It, there is, but that was Sergeant Leo Elliott. He was our DI, and on the first day, you know, he gives us little, this little lecture about don't forget your cover without ever explaining what our cover was. (laughs) So the first formation was called. I go running out there, and I didn't have my cap on. And Sergeant Leo Elliott called me out of formation and said, you have a minute and a half to get your cover and get back in here. Yes, Sergeant, what's a cover? Your damn hat, (laughs) stupid. (laughs) So I go back running in there, and I didn't make it in a minute and a half. And I was row guard for the nine weeks we were in basic training. Now, we were the third platoon. And when we went out marching, there were four platoons. Mm-hmm. So I had a run to catch from up my to the position first. Yeah. to get ahead of the first, be the road guard. When the fourth platoon 
came past. I got to run back to my spot, only to be running again to the top of the formation. Um, I grew uh, almost two inches in basic training. Wow. Sergeant Leo Elliott made me pay for a new uniform because it didn't fit me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and the, 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 But the, the reason is there's discipline. He said, don't go out without your cover. It's my fault I didn't ask what the cover was, what he meant by that, and how come everybody else knew and I didn't. Where would you do basic, Mike? Uh, Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. Oh, I know Fort Leonard Wood. That, I, I went out there on business, and uh, that was my first experience. I drive up to the front gate, and there are no MPs. <laughs> They're all contract labor, and I couldn't believe it, you know. And uh, uh, they did the same job, basically, but uh, I, that was my first real encounter with uh, with contract labor. But, uh, you know, I, my basic I did in Fort Ord, California, and uh, quite frankly, I did basic and AIT at Fort Ord, and uh, as I look back on it, I thought it wasn't fun at the time, but towards the end of AIT, I was enjoying it, and uh, I would... (laughs) Because you had become something better than you were when you joined. You know, that's that's a nice way to look at it. Uh, Well, that and the fact that my platoon sergeant, uh, my first sergeant in AIT, we'd gone to high school together. And uh, yeah, and uh, I mean, he and I both dropped our chins when he. I was standing; he was gone through basic, standing in chow line for AIT, and uh, in the uh, Saturday afternoon, and uh, this guy walks by, and I look at him, and he turns around and does an about face and looks at my name tag, and I looked at him and. Danny Nowak and he knew me and we were we we'd known each other fairly well in high school but it was amazing to so I had he did me no favors in AIT but with that being said AIT also ended at five o'clock in the afternoon so all the he was the first sergeant a uh, platoon sergeant and uh, then we had squad sergeants like I'm sure you did and all. And uh, I, uh, I was the representative of the liquor locker, liquor locker for uh, sergeants. Oh, good gosh! And uh, you know, it was uh, it was great to come in after um, after working all day and drilling or whatever we were doing, and then uh, I'd go in, go behind the blankets that separated the sergeants from the rest of us, and. Uh, go in and have a drink and it was uh so i had a good time i i uh and i I guess the thing that i respect more and more and this is why i i uh think i i agree with you on everybody should serve i just think they should serve some place in the military that it is such a learning experience and uh you know it like they say, it makes men out of boys, and 
Well, you know, I don't mean to interrupt you, but you you just reminded me of the feel first that I had when I was uh, going through AIT. Um, I learned a little bit about Army life and basic. Okay, I was a squad leader. Uh, Leo Elliott rode me hard, but he was very fair. And I ran into him in Canto at the PX. Wow. And he saw me, looked at my name, and ran out. <laughs> and I, but I caught his buddy, and I said, "Hey, would you please tell Sergeant Leo Elliott, thank you from from Mike Roman. He saved my life once already, and I just would like to get, be have an opportunity to give him a handshake and say thank you for what you did for me, not to me. It was for me. Oh yeah." And uh, Leo Elliott really didn't want to do that, but uh, at least I got that message conveyed. But um, I learned a lot about things in in the way the Army ran in basic. When I got to AIT, we had a field first. Um, He'd been in the Army 19 years or something like that, been in Vietnam twice. was was close to retirement age. Don't I don't think he ever retired. I think he died with that damn suit on. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, I learned that I don't want to be first and I don't want to be last in his questioning. So I got somewhere near the middle of the line, and he goes down and asks people where they're from and what they did and all that kind of stuff and what they thought of basic. And I picked up a few things. He was from South Bend, Indiana, where my family was living. Um, he had a friend who had a 57 Chevy. Mm. His friend's name was such and such. And that friend had a, a, a younger brother about my age. So I figured, okay, I can turn this into something really good for me. So he comes up to me and says, uh, Roman, where are you from? I said, well, I was born in Detroit, but I've lived in South Bend, and I'd only lived there for about a year and a half. And he said, oh, really? Where'd you go to high school? I said, St. Joe, St. Bend, uh, South, excuse me, St. Joe in South Bend. And he says, did you know such and such? such? I said, I really didn't know him, but I knew um, his brother. His brother was my age, and we went through St. Joe together. Big, the biggest lies, okay. And he says, oh, really? What, what did his, that brother's drive? As he drove 57 Chevy. All right, Roman, see me after formation. And he goes down, sees everybody else, and then, then he's dismissed us. He says, but I want to see Roman in my office right now. <laughs> so everybody goes on their way. I go in his office, and he says, Roman, sit down. He says, I know you're a damn liar, but I like the way you think. <laughs> <laughs> he says, here's what you're going to do. And this there was a zero week in AIT, too, just like zero week in the Army. Oh, yeah. That you did nothing but wash dishes and that kind of stuff. And he says, your job is to wake these men up at 5 a.m., put them on trucks, and you're done for the day. Hmm. I never had to serve. So the only KP I ever did was that first week of basic training, and I didn't have to touch another dish to wash the whole time I was in the Army. You know, I, uh, it's funny that you mentioned that. I uh, had, before I went to basic and AIT, I had uh, 
a pair of Cochran jump boots and uh, that I wore in my unit uh, in Texas, and uh, and I had tapered fatigues. They don't call them fatigues anymore, but oh, really? What do they call them? Uh, BDUs or something, oh, no, uh, uniform of the day or yeah, something. Okay. But anyway, uh, so whenever we would have an inspection or anything like that, somehow I always wound up numero uno and uh, didn't have, I never did KP, I uh, seldom did guard duty, and uh, the only thing that everybody had to do was uh, uh, at night fire, fire set, whatever they called them. Fire watch. Fire, fire watch, yeah, and... Uh, so I did that a few times, but uh, we were in a matchstick, matchstick jungle at Fort Ord, old World old War II barracks. barracks. The wooden barracks. Wooden barracks, Two yes. floors. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, like I said, I, I look back on it, and uh, would I do it again? In a heartbeat. Would I, if the country needed me today... If they'd let me bring my walker, or no, I don't have a walker, but you know, I would go back in again in a heartbeat. And I haven't, I haven't interviewed a veteran that hadn't said the same thing. And I think this is, I don't know, it's it's something instilled in our hearts that I hope our young folks are getting some of it and understanding some of it but when they're teaching civics classes and they're not teaching about the government I don't know how they're getting it and I bet you I could go by high school and get pick out a hundred kids and I bet one out of a hundred wouldn't know what our flag was all about what the stripes stand for what the stars stand for you know why they're in the order that they're in and the, oh, the one thing I would like to salute is that we've got some folks, and I've interviewed some of them, not all of them, but uh, we've got some folks that are doing a, they're picking up where schools are leaving off with the junior ROTC, and they're doing a magnificent job, a wonderful job. We, uh, I'm part of the Johns Creek uh, Veterans Association, a founding member. And I'm in the collar guard since its inception. And on Monday, um, we're you know going that big guy that barks the orders for the collar guard. Yes, I taught him to do that. Did you? <laughs> yeah, you I know, was, you know but, where he went to school? Uh, somewhere in Virginia, if I remember right. Nope, Texas A&M graduate. I'm, oh, okay, that's cool. Okay, yes, that's, that's like my son's a Texas A&M graduate. Well, I'm sorry about that. Well, how do you think I feel? I graduated from Texas Tech. <laughs> A good friend of mine, Diane Jolly, graduated from Texas Tech. She was she was with me. We were doing ERP implementations, hmm. and uh, we we spent our first summer writing the help for the, our our business management system. And Diane was pregnant at the time, so she was our desecrated driver. <laughs> we wouldn't let her drink, but she drove us everywhere and you know it was the only thing we had was to you know go to dinner and get drunk <laughs> I, I never got drunk because I it's not just something I can't do but uh, Diane is still a friend of mine now and, and I and I want to get to more of that too but 
we're still friends. I mean, Bob Green was one of our guys. He was in Vietnam under Eisenhower. Wow. And uh, he met, I met him when I was managing a restaurant in Columbus, Indiana. And he worked for uh, uh, Cummings Engine. And the restaurant would open for lunch at 11.30. And the first person in the door at 11.30 almost every day was Bob Green. He'd, uh, and he'd, never, he'd say hello as he walked in. And uh, he'd sit there from opening to close, uh, tip the waitress well, and, and he'd leave. And he says, you need to find somebody who knows how to cook. And he'd walk out. That's the <laughs> only conversation we had for the year and a half I managed that restaurant. Now, fast forward to me working for a, a software company and doing manufacturing side implementations of that business management system. And I'm, I'm getting ready to go do my stuff about their, their, our new manufacturing system. And I'm sitting at the back of the audience, and the door to our auditorium opens up. And who comes walking in and, and sees me and makes a beeline to the empty seat next to me? It was Bob Green. I hadn't seen him in like 10 years. He sits down to me and looks at me and says, Did you ever find anybody to cook? I said, well, that's why you parked your fat ass in my in my dining room for four hours eating everything we had, Bob. Yes, we had somebody who knew how to cook. <laughs> and people heard us. And they thought, oh, my God, you can't leave Mike Roman and Bob Green alone in a room. <laughs> so we played that up. for the. I think we worked together for six and a half years. Wow. And, I mean, we had some great times. And Diane was part of that group. She was our desecrated driver. And Bob passed. I hope that means des- designated. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but we abused her, so she was desecrated. <laughs> but we all went to Bob's funeral um, after he passed. And but that that needs that that reminds me of another story, and I, I really want to say this. When I got to Canto, Vietnam, my first duty station. Um, I met the uh, CW3 that was running it. His name was Talmadge Moon. And uh, he had me come in. He told me, you know, he asked me all kinds of questions, who I was, what I wanted to do, etc., etc., etc. And I said, well, I really want to make a career out of the Army and all that kind of stuff, and I want to go to OCS, and this is a stepping stone for me. Said, okay, well, let me see what we can do to help you out do that. And a little, little while later, after I'd get to know all the people I'd be working with and the equipment we had and the equipment we didn't have to maintain our crypto gear, uh, there's, a, there's a meeting out in the general area. And they stopped all the teletypes so you could hear us because we had over 60 teletypes. And if you were standing, oh. I mean, I, I couldn't be more than an arm length away from you with all those teletypes going to hear what you were trying to tell me is what was wrong with whatever was wrong. So we shut everything down and Talmadge Moon got a ladder and put up a ladder and put up a sign. And that sign was our direction for my year in Canto. Hmm. And that sign was very simple. It said, if we don't do our job right, people die. Yep. But we we had better marks in Canto, Vietnam, where we had to steal parts to maintain our teletypes 
than any other comp center in the world for the U.S. Army. You know, I, I would venture to say that other than uh, our older listeners, they uh, wouldn't know what a teletype is, and yet uh, <laughs> we had them in our newsroom when I was working at the radio in, in a radio station, AP and UPI, mm-hmm. and uh, you'd go in that in the newsroom and uh, clatter, 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 you know, just and multiply that, uh, that times. 60. <laughs> oh, I can't imagine how, how loud that would be. But uh, I think we had, well, we had AP and UPI and uh, one other. And I and even when all three of them were going, and I guess I was fortunate because it really uh, taught me to love the business, but I worked the uh, Kennedy assassination. And those... <laughs> Those teletypes were burning up, you know, nonstop. And uh, you know, we'd go in. We weren't we weren't a uh, an affiliate. We were an independent station. Our uh, TV station, our sister station, was a CBS affiliate. So we did get a break later. But uh, you know, yes, I know very well what a teletype sounds like. And it, you know. Here again, I'm not. I'm not a big promoter of, well, the good old days or whatever you want to call them. But I got in a situation uh, last week where, you know, I've about had it with uh, computers, you know, and everybody, all oh, the computer saves time. Well, in many cases, that's true, but in many other cases. It can be done by hand faster than it can be done with a computer. By the time you have to fill out the farms and do this, well, uh, the computer, you know, whoever management requires this and that, and, you know, and it's just it, a five-minute job many years ago last Friday took an hour to do because of the computer and having to fill out computer forms and all this garbage. And used to, you just walked in, you put your signature down, you showed them your driver's license, and that was it. Yep. But anyway. Uh, but I'd like to say a little bit sure. more about Talmadge Moon. Uh, we've stayed in touch. He's a Facebook friend of mine, and uh, his health is not good. He's probably close to 90, if not 90-something. And uh, he's had some rough times. He has those, um, uh, chronic lung disease. And I've called him, talked to him. Amoroso's done the same. McLean has done the same. Sam Albert has done the same. Those, those, those guys, that, you know, we're still that, like we were in Canto two years ago or a year ago. But um, Talmadge, a day, two days ago, um, typed something on Facebook and, and it said, I just can't do this anymore. And there were th- that little sentence had misspellings. It, it wasn't one word spelled correctly. Spaces in it. And he's got a chronic arthritis as well, and uh, I think Thomas just sent his last email or text message in Facebook, and that's going to hurt. Sure. 
I think this is, uh, uh, again, one thing that a lot of folks, and we always say, if you're graduating from high school or you've just gotten your degree from college and you haven't decided what you want to do, please, please look into the military. There is a branch in the military that does exactly what you're interested in. I don't know which branch it is, but everything, and it, it's, you know, everybody, you say Army and or Marines, and you think that all you do is carry a weapon with you, and that's far from from what, what it's really all about. And uh, the Navy has incredible programs. Uh, every ba- branch has incredible programs that... When you go, when you take your resume and you say you were honorably discharged from some branch of the service, the HR that's looking at your file, their ears perk up because they know you can give orders and you can take orders. And they know that they can rely on you. And this is more important today than ever. And uh, so... And and the money in the military, my goodness, uh, it's competitive with anything you can go into. More it than competitive, is nowadays, yes. it is. Yes, and uh, so if you haven't, if and and this goes for the parents. If if your son or daughter hasn't decided what they want to do yet, talk to them about going in the military. Or if you're a grandparent listening, a veteran listening, talk to them about the military. And, um, you know, we've got, in spite of some folks in the White House today, we've still got the greatest military in the world. And you will correct me if I'm wrong, because you've already corrected me, actually, with your story. But you make the greatest friends in the world in the military. They're life for long friends. Whether it's uh, in basic training, it could be my best friend even today, and this goes back 50 years. We met in reception on the front porch of of our barracks, and uh, he was standing behind me, and he said, I just graduated from Texas Tech. And that was like hearing from my mother, you know? Yeah. And uh, it come to find out, we well, we did, and we still are best friends. And, uh, you know, come to find out, we had been at the same parties, the same places, the same, never met. <laughs> but we met in Fort Ord, California at reception. I, I've got several friends, Stam Albert, Talmadge Moon, uh, John McLean. And let me tell you a little story about John. He he and I were cube mates in Canto, and I told him I was going to probably make a career out of the Army, and he thought I was nuts for saying that or even thinking that, but we became very good friends. Um, he was a fixed crypto man. He was the only fixed crypto man in Four Corps, which is, you know, the southern part of Vietnam, and I learned to be a fixed crypto maintenance man because John rarely slept more than three or four hours a day. Wow. And he was my friend. He was my buddy. And I wasn't going to let him suffer like that. So I learned the fixed field crypto. I mean, the uh, fixed crypto stuff. And it was just tubes anyway, so it was pretty simple. But um, the thing about John's and my camaraderie 
John told me when we first met that he was going to get married when he went back home. And I told him I had extended, and he says, Roman, you're stupid. You, you needed to tell me when you can go home so we could have the, the wedding that time. If, you don't, if you're not at my wedding, I'm not having it until you come back. I said, John, I'm going to be there for another eight months or six, seven months, whatever. I was there for a total of 19 months, so it was seven more months. He held his wedding up wow. until I came back from my second tour of Vietnam. His wife didn't talk to me for three years. <laughs> <laughs> being being that in that wedding party, the only time the my female partner touched me was during the wedding. She wouldn't when, even during practice. She wouldn't take my arm and walk down the aisle with me because <laughs> she was so close to Maryland. She was going to teach me. <laughs> Teach you, you a know, lesson, huh? She was going to teach me a lesson. So, and those those are the kind of friends you make, and and there's nothing better than that. But the, and that that's just one of the fallouts and the good things that happened. But there's a bigger story there, and I think what is missing nowadays is a very simple little lesson that you do learn when you go through the military. There is something greater than self. Watch. Take care of your buddy's back. That's the whole thing. If if you take care of your buddy's back, your buddy's going to take care of your back, and that just goes down the line. You're all brothers. Doesn't matter what color you are. Doesn't matter what ethnic race you are it doesn't matter what religion you are you're brothers you watch your brother six exactly and that's that does not just that's not just the army it's not just the marines even those those coast guard people that never go in water deeper than four four feet have that same motto you know as i have said a thousand and one times the military is the biggest fraternity in the world and our sorority and um, you know you may you may be in the army and fight with a marine but if if you're in a position that you need help you can count on that marine too and and, and let me give you another example of that I'm in the color guard for Johns Creek and uh, I met my high school buddy, John. John and I were in high school together, and we were in the same classroom for four years. And I'm coming out of the bathroom at the Johns Creek Veterans Association meeting. He's coming out of the kitchen after getting himself something to eat. And we walked to the middle of the room. I put my hand out. He puts his hand out. And it was almost 50 years to the day. Hmm. We shook hands with each other. John, how you doing? I'm doing, Mike. Good, Mike. Where in the hell you been? <laughs> I've been right here, John, waiting on you. He was a naval captain, which is no small feat. And uh, he, he, we're still friends today. And he's part of the color guard as well. Tom Urian was uh, uh, an officer in Vietnam. He's one of our. He's in our color guard. He's a good friend. Pete Manfred has three Purple Hearts, 
is part of our Johns Creek Veterans Association Color Guard. And the four of us did a Color Guard thing, and we went out for lunch after the Color Guard. Or, excuse me, it was coffee and donuts at a um, donut shop. And we're sitting there arguing about what's the best service, and, you know, you guys didn't have to do anything like we had to do, and all, just these, just ragging on each other. And people were coming by looking at us, you guys okay? Do we need to call the cops or something? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I always ask, I don't know if you remember from the first time you were here, but I always ask, can you name one veteran friend that can tell only one story? No, sir. It's impossible. The other the other question I've started asking, and I think he's probably listening today. Do you know anybody that doesn't know Roger Wise? Nobody in Roswell, nobody in Johns Creek, nobody in Alpharetta, nobody in Sandy Springs does not know Roger Wise. I know. He, he is a Masonic brother of mine. He's an army brother of mine. Um, he has opened more doors for me than he can imagine. Uh, I love him to death. He is. He is incredible. He and Rick White uh, are both incredible. Uh, I can I can get tired just listening to what they do in a day's time or in a week's time. Uh, they are both incredible and. I always want to give a shout-out to the fact that Rick White is the director of the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. And if you haven't been to the Hall of Fame, certainly put it on put it in your bucket list that you've got to do it. It's right across the street. It's in the Floyd Building. It's right across the street from the Capitol. And it honors all of the veterans that, not all, but... The whole point of it is veterans that have lived or grew up or were born in Georgia and then served in some capacity in the military and uh, honored their service. Honored their service. And yes. Their, their um, branch of the service in their country. Yes, sir. And uh, it's, it's the best in the country, and it's received many accolades for being the best. And uh, Rick White has done just an outstanding job. And uh, I, if, I'm proud to know two people. One is Roger Wise, and the other is Rick White. And I'll add a third to that. And that's Graham White, oh, uh, yes. Rick's son, that will soon be General Graham White. And uh, I, I am, if I die tonight, I'll always feel that I was lucky to know them and blessed to know them. And they're just honorable, honorable people. I, I can't disagree with you with that. Ed, Ed, Rick is the most honorable man. And let me give you one example. Um, he was dedicating the Afghanistan Plaza, mm -hmm. and the speaker who introduced him said that Rick was a um, Purple Heart recipient. As soon as that was said, Rick got upset. He almost said something, but knew it was not the appropriate time to say something. Um, when 
the introduction was finished, the introduction speech or whatever was finished, Rick came over, shook the man's hand, and his first word said, thank you for the introduction, but I need to make one one error correction. I am not a Purple Heart recipient. But I thank you for that introduction. That's an honorable man. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And we know others that aren't so honorable. Yes, sir. Um, But, you know, yeah, and, you know, that's why he was a great leader. If you have the respect of your men, then... You've got the war won almost, you know? My dad was an uh, Air Corps officer. Uh, he was between I and got shot down and ended his career in the Air Force, he, uh, the Army Air Corps. He really wanted to make a career out of that. Um, the reason I'm, I'm, I'm telling that story is uh, Rick is an exception. Um, I wish there were more people like him in the army. Oh. If I if I had met someone like Rich's caliber, other than my company commander for my first duty station in Vietnam, I'd I'd probably still be in the army. I'd I'd be one to set the record for you know career <laughs> in the army. Length of time. Length of time. Um, Mike, we need to take a break. I sort of yes, let sir. everything slide down the rule but we'll take a break and we'll be back with mike roman right after this whether cruising the strip in a 57 chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 oldsmobile vista cruiser you need to tune in to classic cars with steve ronaldo and jim weber every saturday from 8 to 9 a.m on america's webradio.com If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. If you have lost a loved one and were left with a firearms collection and are not sure how to dispose of them safely, or you may have firearms you no longer want, this message is for you. I am a licensed FFL firearms dealer in the state of Florida, specializing in estate firearm purchases. It is very important that all firearm transactions be handled according to state and federal laws. You can contact me for information at firearmliquidationservice at outlook.com, or you can call or text me at 407-921-8100-247 and ask for James. Again, for information contact me at Firearm Liquidation Service at Outlook.com or call or text me at 407-921-8100. All communications are strictly confidential. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back on America's Web Radio and David's Pick, and we've got Mike Roman in the studio. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of folks can't come in, and uh, either they're too far away or, you know, it's just a situation that uh, they prefer calling in. But I don't know about you, Mike, but 
I really prefer a person being able to sit across the table and and uh, watch your expressions and you know you can see what's on their mind sort of by uh, yeah. watching their expressions and this this show Mike and I determined would be about patriotism and the lack thereof you know I've I've often I've never been put in this position and I don't want to ever be put in this position but if I walked out and I saw kids burning or stomping on the flag or anything like that I don't know what I'd do I uh, it would drive me crazy and I I honestly don't know what I would do and I you know I was we grew up and I, I I'm older than you are but we grew up in the best time and we we had civic classes that taught what it meant to be a a citizen in the United States and what our flag meant and what it means and that's never changed it's still the symbol of freedom and i uh, and i and i had that same growing up it, my dad was a world war 2 veteran my mom was a world war 2 veteran uh, my grandmother was head of the uh, VF, not the VFW, but the American Legion yeah. group for the women. They they cooked every weekend for the Legion, um, and every weekend either the um, Legion, a Masonic order group, a Catholic Church group, a Protestant group had something going. And those programs were for everybody. You, you know, a, a, a Jewish person could go to a Catholic church festival of some sort and have a good time. Sure. Um, I had black friends. I had white friends. I had Oriental friends. And it doesn't matter. I mean, we were in the Army together. We were brothers it doesn't matter their ethnicity, their religion. You were there to get a job done, and you couldn't do it alone. So you had to depend on any on other people, and you better make friends with them because they would then treat you the way you were treating them. We have lost that capability. You know, there was Susan. I, I'm not driving right now because I keep falling asleep and. Even though I have a Vietnam license plate, people don't get out of my way when I'm driving asleep. <laughs> uh, but um, there was a woman who passed us with a cell phone in her ear uh, and a diamond the size of my hand. Wow! I mean, that was evident from the you know her whole. And she didn't care. She would cut us off, and then she got in another lane, cut the the other person off. What's wrong with these people? You know, if I had the answer to that, I probably wouldn't be sitting here. Uh, well, it, it, well, there's one word that comes to mind, and it's, it's a military word. It's a word, religious word, and it's what's lacking today in families and everything else. And the one word is discipline. Um, we don't have and we're not being taught discipline. And, you know, I told 
my I have two boys, and I told their teachers always, both in public school and in when they were in private school, you have my permission to spank them. If they need a spanking, spank them. And you know, and that's uh, that's uh, we had discipline at home. One of the first things when my kids learned to walk was I taught them that okay, here's here's where you live, and here's our property. You don't walk across a neighbor's property without getting their permission. And they never, our neighbors were in awe that you know they wouldn't, and they wouldn't cross my neighbor's yard to go to our country club they would they would ask permission not each and every time because if they'd gotten it once they had it right. you know but um and and we were we disciplined the boys and uh, i couldn't be prouder of them and they disciplined their sons and uh, this is what's missing in our society it is but let me let me take that a step further. I grew up in a home in Detroit, Michigan, on Cloverland, Cloverlawn Avenue, just off of Tyreman Avenue, um, across the street, across from a um, Cloverlawn, was an American blower plant on Tyreman Avenue. Um, I couldn't. I was not allowed to go all the way to Tyreman Avenue on my bicycle, and I never did except one time hmm. and when my dash was my my dad's father was late coming home from work one day I went looking for dash I was probably three years old hmm. and I snuck out of the back fence by I first threw my bike over my tricycle climbed the fence and in our alley, we drove up to Tyreman Avenue and down Tyreman Avenue to where his bus would be looking for him. I got the beating of my life by my my grandfather, by my dad, and my mother. <laughs> they all got a piece of you, huh? Yes, they did. But the I learned a very valuable lesson. We grew up speaking German, Russian, Polish, Lithuanian, and English in that home. Wow. Do you know what language we spoke outside the home? Not Russian, not Polish, not Lithuanian, not not German. English. We only spoke English. And my grandfather told me the reason that is is because we do not want to embarrass these people who let us into their country. I step out of my home in where we live now. Next door neighbors are speaking uh, Spanish. They call out to the person across the street from me. They talk in Spanish. They talk to the people next door to the people across the street from me, and he speaks Spanish. And they, they're carrying on a conversation, and I don't know whether they're talking about me, my wife, our dogs, or my grandchildren. You know that I, I don't think that's right. I don't either. I if you're going to live here, learn the language. Yep. Learn the customs. You can keep your own customs. You know, there's a Greek festival, and what do they do there? They eat Greek food and they talk. They talk Greek. Not all of them. There's a Polish festival. 
over in Lawrenceville every year. You, you sit down there, and, and if I'm quiet enough and I'm relaxed enough, I can speak the Polish that they're speaking. Um, but when they leave there and get out of the, get out of those rooms, they only speak English. It, it's ingrained in us. We're in America. We're not back in Poland. We're not back in Greece. We're not back in Russia. We're not back in Germany. We're in America, and they speak English in America. Couldn't agree with you more. And uh, this is, you know, like I said, it it comes back to discipline and um, and just paying attention to the people around you. Oh yeah, but there's no respect in like the woman in the car. They cut us off and they cut another car off. She has no respect. She's in a hurry. You're in her way. My time's more valuable than yours. Bingo. You know, I'm more important than you are. E- bingo. And um, Susan and I stopped at a red light today. You know how many cars passed us on the left hand side going through that red light? Five. Gee. Uh, you know, it's got to change, and I don't know if you ever read my Facebook or or the Twitters that we send out, but uh, it has to change, and I don't think folks are going to like the change when it comes, but we have to change, and we have to get back to a God-fearing country and a law-abiding country, and... Um, and if not, we're going to be a Soviet Union. And if not, we're going to be a communist country. You're right. And, uh, you know, I, I've i related the story many times of when I was in uh, junior high school, a Dr. CLK came and talked to my junior high school class and said, you don't have to worry about the bomb. They're going to take us from within, and they're doing it. And we have to stand up as a, as Americans and realize that. And, you know, I have the greatest faith in the world in veterans. And the call may come out to you as a veteran to help retake and make America great again. And I don't know when that call will come, but... It wouldn't surprise me at all at any time. And we have to, you know, the Roosevelt said the buck stops here. Teddy Roosevelt, not Franklin. But Teddy Roosevelt, and I didn't know until Brett came in that they they tore down his Teddy Roosevelt statue. And, you know, because there was a, a black man standing by the horse. And I, you know, it drives me nuts. We're going to have to go. Mike, thank you for coming in and relating a, a bunch of great stories. And, folks, it's time for us to get out of here on David's Pick and invite you to stay tuned for more great programming on America's Web Radio. Thank you, David. Yes, sir. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.